Thank you, Mandy. And so let's pray. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth, plant it deep in us. Shape and fashion us in your likeness, that the light of Christ might be seen in us. Amen. I love verse 51 of that reading. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asks. Yes, they reply. I'm not sure they were telling the truth. That might have been a porcupine. Or perhaps they are better than me and did fully understand all that Jesus was saying to them as he was explaining uh, what the kingdom is like. I wonder if you've ever been asked a tricky question by a child or perhaps tried to explain a difficult idea to someone. I guess because of what I do, some of my friends and family say to their children when they ask them difficult questions, that's a good question, let's ask Auntie Ali. My very good friend Naomi used to do this to me quite often bless her. Uh, She would say to her son Lucas when he was younger, and he was a very inquisitive child and very bright, and he would come up with all sorts of questions. And so every time that I went to go and see them, uh, Lucas would have a whole list for me of the things that he had been wondering since I'd last seen them. And I remember one particularly time when he asked me this question. If Jesus went back to heaven after he rose from the tomb, how is he still with us now? It's a good question, you have to admit. He'd obviously been thinking quite a lot about the Easter story. And I confess, although I remember very clearly being asked the question, I don't remember what my answer was. I hope that I started by asking him what he thought. It's always a good place to start, isn't it? And I'm sure that I probably said something about the Holy Spirit. But there's not really an easy answer to that question, is there? And that's so often the case with questions about God and our faith. There aren't easy answers. And in fact, when you're given an easy answer to a difficult question, I think it's then that you need to be most weary. Those are the answers that probably have the least amount of truth in them. It's like that quote, which I think is attributed to Socrates. The more I know, the more I know I don't know. Faith and God asks all sorts of questions of us, big questions that we need to wrestle with. And the wrestling, the trying to understand, I think, is part of getting to know God, to learn who God is and to learn who we are meant to be as we follow God. It can be difficult, it can make us think, and sometimes we might need to go and find somebody wiser than us to help us answer them but I think we should be wrestling with some of those difficult questions. And in this series of teaching that we heard in our gospel reading today, Jesus was trying to explain one of these difficult questions, what the kingdom is like. And Jesus uses a whole series of parables to try and explain it to us. It's like a mustard seed or yeast in a dough. It's like hidden treasure or a man looking for fine pearls or a net let down in a lake. We talk about the kingdom a lot in church, don't we? You'll have heard that language all the time. We say every week in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come. But I wonder if we know what we mean when we talk about the kingdom. What do you picture uh, when you hear the kingdom of heaven? If we had a bit more time, I'd ask you to turn to somebody near you and ask them, uh, 
we're running a bit over time, so I won't ask you to do that, but just think for yourself for a moment. When you think about the kingdom of heaven, what do you think of? Perhaps you picture some far away, longed for fairy tale land with castles and a rose garden. Or maybe you think of fluffy clouds and angels playing harps. Perhaps you've heard me or others speak about how God's kingdom isn't really a physical place, and we might make more sense to talk of the reign of God rather than the kingdom of God in English. So perhaps you're not picturing somewhere at all. Maybe you're thinking about what the rule of God might be like, people living in peace with justice and mercy and love and joy and kindness. I suspect we all are picturing and thinking about something slightly different when we think about the kingdom of heaven. The fact that Jesus uses a whole range of parables to try and explain the kingdom probably means that it's quite hard to comprehend and even harder to put into words. So what can we learn from Jesus then in these parables about the kingdom? I wonder if when you were in Sunday school, if you went as a child, you put cress on damp cotton wool ever and watched it grow over the next few days when you were learning about the kingdom. Putting those tiny seeds and thinking about when Jesus said the kingdom of God is like this, like the mustard seed, the smallest of all the seeds, which when planted grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants, with branches so big that the birds can perch in its shade. The kingdom of God is like a tiny seed that can grow into an enormous plant. And these mustard plants were really common in Gangalee, and the people would have seen them all the time. The kingdom of God is like that. I wonder if those who were there with Jesus and heard him giving this teaching thought about it every time they walked past a mustard plant, thinking, that's what the kingdom is like. It's a bit like if Jesus were here in the UK, saying the kingdom of God is like a buddleia seed. Buddleias are everywhere. If you just stop and look, you'll see them all over the place. Imagine every time you walk past a buddleia bush and you think, that's what the kingdom of God is like. It's ordinary. It's every day. It's everywhere. Jesus doesn't say the kingdom of God is like the most magnificent tree soaring into the heights beyond what we can reach. Nor does he say it's like the most beautiful flower, something to be admired and observed. No, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's accessible to all. It can be found everywhere that you look. This tiny seed with the potential to grow into a bush so large that birds can perch in its shade. The kingdom of God doesn't grow for its own sake. It doesn't grow in order to be the most impressive or the biggest or the most beautiful. The kingdom grows in order to provide shelter and a place of gathering for all. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like yeast mixed in dough. I don't know if you're a baker, if you've spent much time in your life making bread, I love baking, although I confess I'm not much of a bread baker, but I have done it. And I love the joy of mixing the dough and then leaving it to rise. And you come back and it's double the size. It's just, it's amazing to me. It's like a little miracle has happened while you've turned your back. The kingdom is like the yeast. We can't sometimes see it, but we can see the effects that it has. 
We turn away for a moment and we look back and there is growth and a small miracle. Once you've stirred yeast into the mixture, you can't separate it again. It's everywhere. The impact of the yeast is throughout the whole batch. It can't be limited to one little corner. God's kingdom is everywhere too. We can't limit it or keep it to ourselves. It doesn't pay attention to the boundaries or the limits that we might try to put on it. I think we do sometimes try to do that with God, don't we? The kingdom of heaven is like yeast in a dough. Jesus says this, the kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field and like a merchant looking for pearls. There's a puzzle in the parable. Jesus simply says that the man found the treasure. He doesn't say whether he found it by happenstance, he just came upon it, or whether he was seeking the treasure, knowing that it was buried in that field. However, if we take it with the next parable about the merchant seeking fine pearls, I think we have some reason to think that people don't find this treasure if they're not looking for it. We know that uh, the kingdom is everywhere, but that doesn't mean that it's always easy to find. We have to be on the lookout. Are we paying attention to signs of the kingdom in the world around us? The extreme value of the treasure was recognized as greater than all of the man's possessions because he sold them all in order to buy the field in which the treasure was hidden. The kingdom of God has treasure more valuable by far than anything that we possess. And so we need to gladly give up all that we have for the kingdom. I wonder if we are willing to make that kind of a sacrifice, to give up all that we have for the kingdom of heaven. Of course, the man was overjoyed with, overwhelmed with joy when he found that treasure. And God brings us into his kingdom for this purpose. We might give up all that we have now, but we receive far more back from God than we could ever hope to earn on our own. God wants us to share in his joy, in his kingdom. The parable of the pearl is a bit like the one before it. Again, a man sells all that he has to buy a treasure that he has found. No doubt there were many pearls on offer to this man, but he found one that was superior to them all. And the merchant could not resist this pearl, and he was willing to go broke to get it. This pearl, this pearl of great price. There are many treasures in this world, aren't there? Many things that might grab our attention, draw us to them, things that we might think would offer us truth and life. But we know that the only real truth and life is through Jesus. Are we willing to give up all that we have to get the real truth and the life that Jesus offers to us? Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down in a lake. And this parable is about the art of fishing using a dragnet. A long net is set out where fish are feeding uh, beyond that, and the ends are pulled together uh, to the shore, encircling the fish in it. Uh, sometimes this is done with small boats, uh, and sometimes it's done by people just wading out in the water shallows. The net is drawn in, and it drags the fish with it. Uh, smaller fish escape through the net, uh, but the fish that are caught are then sorted 
the good are collected, and the bad are thrown out. And this parable looks towards Judgment Day. And it's our heart and our spirit that counts in the kingdom of God. When God's angel pull in the great dragnet one day, God will be judging. But not our wealth or our status, our power, not the things that we've accumulated in this world, but whether our hearts are right with God, whether we've been willing to live our lives for the God who calls us. This is what the kingdom is like, like a net in a lake. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out his treasure old and new. It's a very short parable, this, isn't it? It's just one sentence, but it evokes such an image. I can see this man going in, perhaps up to the loft if he's got one, and getting out this treasure chest and going through it, looking through his family treasures. Perhaps you do that from time to time, look through the things that are precious to you. And some of our treasures, of course, have no value, really, in the outside world, but they are precious to us. And the man in this parable brings out some things that are new and some things that are old. And of course, the kingdom of God was new in the time of Christ. He was bringing in a new covenant as he sent Jesus into the world. However, there are timeless and unchangeable principles that have been true since the foundation of the world. And these continue in the kingdom of God. Our lesson from the uh, Psalms that we read earlier spoke about some of those timeless truths, didn't it? Some of those things that are true from generation to generation. The scribes and the religious leaders at the time were challenged by Jesus to rethink some of their traditions. Certainly, the scribes and the lawyers held some ancient truths, and it was right that they should hold on to them. However, there were some new things that the Lord was giving to them. And those are things that should have been counted among spiritual treasure too. I wonder what are some of the old treasures of our faith that we need to hold on to and honour? And what are some of the traditions that we perhaps need to let go of? What are the new things that Jesus is calling us to add to our treasure trove? And where are the things that we need to leave to the past? This is what the kingdom is like, like the owner of a house who brings out his treasure. These series of parables is where Jesus is telling us what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's where the smallest of things has the biggest potential. It's every day and everywhere. The kingdom offers a place to perch, to be safe, to be in community. It creates growth, and it's everywhere. We need to seek it out. When we find it, to recognize its value and to be willing to give up the things of this world for the things of God and to rejoice in what we have received. So the question for us is, are we going to try and get to know what the kingdom is like? Are we going to try and wrestle with that tricky question of our faith in order that we can receive the greatest treasure of all, life in the kingdom of God. Amen.
And so we're going to sing together our final hymn for today, Like a Tiny Seed of Mustard. You may not know the words, but I'm sure you'll